Well, good morning. We've got a lot of folks traveling this weekend, and so they're in our thoughts and prayers. And some of you guys will probably be taking off sometime today or tomorrow for places that contain a lot of water. So I wish the best for you as we don't. So anyway, so but I bet when you go, some of you are going to use some sort of navigation device. And so maybe you remember, some of you remember traveling before the times of Google Maps or the times before we even had uh, TomTom or Garmin or, or OnStar or however you may use to navigate. You remember MapQuest? Remember when MapQuest came out? That was like, wow, you know, where, where are we going to end up? We've got this thing and we can go to a computer and we can type in where we want to go and it pulls up this map. And, you know, or maybe some of you remember having to rely on paper maps to get where you want to go. Remember the Rand McNally Atlas? And that was pretty awesome. You know, you could get one for a particular location or you get that one that's bound up, uh, wire bound, that had like the, the whole United States in it. You could go from state to state uh, just using that thing. And so you had to learn, though, you had to understand the, the legend, the map legend. You had to know how to read that. Uh, and so the, you also had to know your current location in order to get where you wanted to go. It was so archaic, y'all. It was archaic. And so, but where you would run into trouble, though, using that paper map is when you get into an unfamiliar area, if you didn't know your way around, you didn't know whether a local road went through or whether it ended up being a dead end. See, what we've got with all these uh, digital maps now is they're constantly updated. But that paper map, unless you bought the most current one or unless the, the, the people who take care of road, con- you know, in some states, they get road construction done a lot quicker than Arkansas. And so sometimes the, the, the map will be outdated because they've, they've changed the roads up by the time you get there. And so unless you know that, you may end up going down a road that's a dead end. And if you don't know where you're going, every turn seems to lead to a dead end. So God made this promise to Abraham, and we've looked at that over the last few weeks, through which this promise, through which God was going to reverse this curse that resulted from Adam and Eve, a choice that they made uh, in the garden. So not only would God bless Abraham with many descendants, but then through those descendants, as he brought him to this land of blessing, God was going to bless the entire earth, the entire world, all of those who came afterwards. He was going to bless all the families on the earth. And so we're going to fast forward back can do that, to the days of Exodus 14. And so we find these many descendants of Abraham seemingly at this dead end. They're enslaved and they're suffering in Egypt. And so where's the promise now? And from a human perspective, God's promises to Abraham seem to be in jeopardy. They seem to be in danger of not coming true. And so the offspring of Abraham were not in the land that God promised to to give them, but rather they were in slavery in Egypt. And so would the curse be reversed? And the question behind the question is really, is God trustworthy? He's promised us this, and yet look where we are. Is God really trustworthy? And so in Exodus, we see God faithful to His Word. And this mysterious God of their ancestor, Abraham, who was probably a fading memory to many of the Israelites by this time in their history, He's now working through this man, Moses, to secure their freedom. And so after God brought multiple judgments upon Egypt in the form of all these plagues, some pretty jaw-dropping, miraculous events, Pharaoh relents. 
and he lets the people go. He sends them away. And so in, in Hebrews eleven twenty nine, which is our our source today, he says, by faith, they crossed the Red Sea as if on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried it, they were swallowed up. It's like, well, that went smooth, didn't it? If you're, you're hearing this or reading this in Hebrews, you're like, well, great. Pharaoh let them go and, and they, they crossed the waters, but the Egyptians took care of the enemy. They swallowed up the enemy. And it's interesting to me how one of the greatest events, the defining event, if you will, in the history of the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, it gets one verse in this great chapter of faith. But see, the author rightly assumes that his audience, these people know their history. And so he didn't have to expound upon what was going on in this backstory here. They knew what that was. But for us, we're going to refresh this morning. And so we're going to bounce back and forth. Exodus 14 is where we find this story. We find them escaping from the wicked Pharaoh through the desert of eastern Egypt. And so in Exodus 14 and verse 1, we begin. The Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites that they must turn and camp before Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea. You're going to camp by the sea before Baal-Zephon opposite it. And Pharaoh will think, regarding the Israelites, they are wandering around confused in the land. The desert has closed in on them. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And I will gain honor because of Pharaoh and because of all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So this is what they did. And when it was reported to the king of Egypt that the people had fled, the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And the king and his servants said, What in the world have we done? For we have released the people of Israel from serving us. Oh, we just turned all of our help loose. What were we thinking? And so then he prepared his chariots and he took his army with him. And he took 600 select chariots, the best of the best, and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt and officers on all of them. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the Israelites. And now the Israelites were going out defiantly. And the Egyptians chased after them, and all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army overtook them, camping by the sea, beside Paheheroth before Baal-Zephon. And they navigated, they navigated right into this dead end. It's like, who's reading the map? Somebody, has Aaron got the map upside down again? How did we get here? How did we end up at this dead end? Did you notice how they got there? How did they get there? God directed them to that spot, didn't He? So God has brought them here, so maybe God needs an app for that, right? Maybe God needs to update His maps. Well, no. He purposely gave them this course correction that led them right here into what was for all intents and purposes a dead end. Why did he do that? Well, we see in verse 4, he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. I will gain honor. I am the Lord. Now, God didn't reach in there and miraculously change Pharaoh's heart because of what God had done through these plagues. Pharaoh had just hardened himself. And that can happen, can it? That can happen. Sometimes that's what sin does to us. We can allow sin to harden our heart. Sin doesn't do it. We allow it. And that's what happened to Pharaoh. See, fear is when we can't see God 
through our circumstances. But faith is when we see our circumstances, but through God. And so God knew that Pharaoh was going to hear about this course correction. And he knew that Pharaoh was going to think, now we got them. They're confused. They're trapped. And we're going to pounce. And then Pharaoh would come after them, all these easy targets... And then God would accomplish his goal by destroying Pharaoh, destroying his army, and God would be glorified as the one who is mightier than the mightiest army, the mightiest nation on earth at this time. And so you see, when we see this dead end, it was God's design. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't some accident. It wasn't bad luck. It wasn't a tactical error. It was purposeful. God had a plan for this dead end. He was going to be glorified through it. And so as we see here, God was going to make it happen. And so he would harden Pharaoh's heart because of the actions that God was taking. He would harden his heart to the degree that this man would be insensitive to any reason, to any prudence, or to any restraint. And again, that does not mean that Pharaoh became God's puppet. Verse 5 said what? When it was reported, when he heard about what was going on, that the people had fled, the heart of Pharaoh and the heart of his servants was what? changed. It was turned. What he understood made him change his mind and change his heart. And the king said, what in the world have we done? We got to fix this. And so Pharaoh chose to go after the Israelites. And here's a great testament to God's love. He allows us to choose even badly. And so nevertheless, God's working behind the scenes here to accomplish his sovereign purposes. And so when we follow Jesus through the forgiveness of his cross, for those who trust in him, our dead ends become new beginnings. So God was bringing them to a dead end so that he could take them to a new beginning. God will be glorified in some way through our dead end because God is king over every route in our life, no matter which direction we go. And it's. It's that easy easy to accept, right? Just take it for what it says. No, it's not. And that's the tension of faith. That's the tension of this life of faith that we've been talking about. It's it's like a a feeling you get in a muscle that you've been been working. You know, your calf gets a little tight and it gets a little cramp in it. And you've got that, it may even ache. You've got that feeling. You just want to rub it. But more importantly, you want to quit what you're doing. You want to quit running. You want to quit walking. You want to quit moving. And that's the worst thing you can do, right? Because what happens when you do? When you've got that sore muscle or that cramping muscle and you just, just stop doing everything, you just shut down, what happens? Stiffness, more cramping, discomfort. That's what happens, right? So when our faith muscles are being worked, we may want to back off. We want to move away from whatever this tension is we're feeling. We want to quit moving forward. Remember, faith moves us forward. Faith is movement. But when we start feeling that tension in life, we want to back off, disengage from whatever situation is creating that discomfort. And so the more times we do that, the better chance we develop this spiritual atrophy, spiritual hardening of our own heart. And so whatever growth God was bringing about in and through that situation is now stifled because we're backing away from it. And so when Pharaoh got closer, we read here in Exodus 14, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified. The Israelites cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt 
that you've taken away to, for us to die in this desert? What in the world have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we can serve the Egyptians because it's better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And so when Pharaoh dug his heels in during the plagues, remember, he doubled down on the work that he was requiring of the Israelites, the work that he demanded from them. And the people told Moses, you've got to knock this off because <laughs> every time you go to Pharaoh, it gets worse for us. You've got to stop this. And so they were content parked at this dead end because they did not want to deal with the discomfort. They had spiritual atrophy. But when Pharaoh finally relented and the Egyptian people actually paid the Israelites to get out. Remember this? They gave them gold. They gave them supplies. And Scripture says they left with their heads high. Their chest puffed out is the image here. They left boldly when they left Egypt. And so they were almost arrogant. And anyone can say they live by faith when everything is going the way they want it to. But when you hit a dead end, when the map that you're following doesn't continue to the next page, when you lose your orientation, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For the one who approaches God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And so the Israelites could see the evidence of God working through these plagues, right? That, that, that caused Pharaoh to release them. They could see Him there. But now they're standing at the shore of this vast body of water without any possibility of crossing it. So what have you done for me lately? And that is the fickle question of humanity. God, what have you done for me lately? And so from their point of view, taking everything into consideration that they could see and what they had been through, it would have been better for them to suffer as slaves than to be mercilessly executed by this army, which that's what would have happened. But they were forgetting something, right? Weren't they forgetting something? That they stood where they stood. The, the whole nation carrying the most valuable treasures of the Egyptians. They stood in that spot because God had brought them there. That's why they were there. It was God who loosened the clenched fist of Pharaoh. It was God who unmistakably worked these wonders. It brought this powerful civilization in the world to, to its knees. So why would God bring them through all of that only to bring them out to the desert to die? What sense does this make? See, the truth is that our dead ends are desperate when we forget about God. Our dead ends become desperate when we forget about God. If we can't see God in the middle of our dead ends, if we forget what He's done in our lives, how He's led us, what have He done for me lately, then we begin to, to, to think wrong-headed things about what we're going through. Oh, it would have been better if I had only whatever it was besides obey you, God. Because now I'm trapped. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send Jesus into the world to lead us to a dead end. But that the world should be saved 
through Him. So God, why would You bring all the way from darkness into light? All the way from slavery to freedom only to let us die at a dead end? Well, He wouldn't. See, we must not forget God in our dead ends. See, we suffer consequences. We suffer financial consequences. We suffer relational consequences of choices, decisions we make. We suffer physical consequences of sometimes choices, decisions, sometimes just life, living in this human existence. Every, even spiritual choices have consequences. But look how Moses reminds them of this. Exodus fourteen thirteen. He says to the people, do not fear. Do not fear. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord that He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians that you see today, you will never, ever see again. Can you imagine this? I mean, you're in a situation where it is completely hopeless in your human ability to fix this. It is hopeless. Moses says, you look around because this situation you're in, if you will follow God, you will never, ever see it again. That doesn't mean you're not going to experience it. It means you're going to see it differently. You're going to see it differently. It's going to change the way you think. We talked about that in Bible class. Conforming our minds. Being transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Lord will fight for you, He says, and you can be still. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to Me? Tell the Israelites to move on. And as for you, Moses, you lift up your staff and extend your hand toward the sea and divide it, so that the Israelites may go through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And as for me, everybody's got a job here. <laughs> you tell them to, 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 to go. Now, here's what you've got to do. Let me tell you, I'm working too. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will come after them. That I may be honored because of Pharaoh and his army and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I have gained my honor because of Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God who was going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. You see, when a, when a, when a, when a general is leading his army, he's going to make sure that they are not attacked from behind. So as, as our general led them to the waters, he moved behind them to stand firm and protect them as they moved in the direction that he told them to go. He made sure that they would not be overtaken. And it came. It came between the Egyptian camp and the Israelite camp. And it was a dark cloud. And it lit up the night so that one camp did not come near the other the whole night. And so notice that Moses here, he doesn't say, okay, if we, if we give this some time, I know we can figure out what we need to do here. Maybe we can, we can get you know, some of this loot they gave us. Maybe we can get some of this loot together and we can make a barge out of it. And we can float a few of us across the, the sea here. He doesn't say that. No, he reminds them that it's God alone who is their Savior. It's God who liberated them from slavery. It's God who saved them, saved their backs from the whip of Pharaoh. So will He save them now? 
Well, Moses confidently says, absolutely. Yes, he will. If they quit their grumbling (laughs) and let their faith be expressed through their confident silence, they will see the power of God at work. See, here's the thing, brethren. Sometimes the triumphant cry of faith is heard the loudest through quiet suffering. See, the dead end was just another reminder to them that God is their Savior. It might have been easy for them once they were liberated from their bondage, leaving the spoils of Egypt. It might have been easy for them to forget the God who once saved them. It hadn't been that long, a month or so, since all this miraculous signs and wonders happened in Egypt. That's exactly what we see God doing here, reminding them of that crucial fact. That was me, he says. That was me, and this is still me. And so if you found or you find yourself at a dead end, then please see that God will use that to remind you that He and He alone is your Savior. He uses these moments where we come to the end of our resources and our wisdom, and He proclaims to us, fear not, you stand firm, and you see the salvation of your Lord. Can you hear God saying that this morning? Do you hear Him speaking that into your life? Are you ready to trust Him? In your dead end. I love what God tells Moses in verse 15. He says here, the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. And I, I get this image. Maybe Moses was, was pointing to the people as he's you know, talking to God here while he's praying for God to act. God, you've got to do something about this. You've got to do something about this. And God says, what are you doing? What are you doing? He says, step out. God says, now, you know what I've told you. I've told you what to do. Now go do it. He said, don't act all spiritual just by praying. God, I hope you fix this. God, I hope you fix this. He says, you pray and then you obey. You are right to pray to me. Now go do what I told you to do. What do we tell our kids? We said, stop complaining and do something about it, right? We've said that before. We say, just stop crying and just do what I told you to do. When we run those, into those dead ends, those situations where we feel like we have nowhere left to go, we need to pray. Absolutely. We pray to our Deliverer, but after we pray, we've got to step out in faith. Remember, faith moves us forward. You've got to step out in faith and walk right toward that dead end in faith. You've got to lean into it. And that is the tension because we want to back away from it. We've got to lean in, not trusting ourselves, but trusting in Jesus Christ. Our only Savior, the Savior of the consequences of our sin, our Savior from all the hurts and the fears and the doubts that this life throws at us. Our dead ends should remind us that God alone is our Savior. And so Moses stretched out his hand toward the sea, and the Lord drove the sea apart by a strong east wind all that night. And He made the sea into dry land, and the water was divided. So the Israelites went through the middle of the sea on dry ground, the water forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians chased after them, followed them into the middle of the sea and all the horses of Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning, watch, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army through the pillar of fire and cloud and he threw the Egyptian army into a panic. And he jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's flee from Israel, for the Lord fights for them against Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, extend your hand toward the sea so that the waters may flow back on the Egyptians, 
on their chariots and on their horsemen. I can't imagine what might have been going through Moses' mind. Moses, Moses, it was through Moses that God parted the waters. And now God said, I'm going to use you in my plan of destruction. So Moses extended his hand toward the sea. And the sea returned to its normal state when the sun began to rise. And now the Egyptians were fleeing before it. But the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the middle of the sea. And the water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that was coming after the Israelites into the sea. And not so much as one of them survived. But, but God. But the Israelites walked on dry ground in the middle of the sea. The water forming a wall for them on their right, on their left. So the Lord saved Israel on that day from the power of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the shore of the sea. And when Israel saw the great power that the Lord had exercised over the Egyptians, they feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. Do you see what God is showing us in this? See, this dead end was not really a dead end after all. God brought them to the sea not in order to bring them to a dead end. No, He brought them to an opportunity. He brought them to an opportunity to witness God's power in action. And you see, our dead ends can reveal God's power. And our dead ends can inspire our faith. And as we step out into what seems to be a dead end, God wants to reveal His incredible power. And when we step out and when we stay committed to God's work or to a relationship, even though it seems like a dead end, how might God reveal His power? How might He work through this? When we step out to share our faith with a person who seems to be at a dead end, how might God reveal His power? I'll never know if I step away from that opportunity. When we step out to give, even though our schedule, even though our finances seem to be at a dead end, How might God reveal His power? And based on what we see here, the way God reveals His power is not always what we expect. So we can have an idea about how God might work. We can have our own thoughts, our own, and you're planning out how God may finish this out. And He may do something very different from what we were thinking, what we were expecting. But you see, for those who trust in Jesus Christ, there are no dead ends. There are no dead ends in Jesus Christ. Remember what Paul wrote. Romans 8, we read, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Well, hang on a second. So, you know, okay, we know that all things that we like, all things that we enjoy, all things that make us feel good, all things that prosper us, all things that keep us healthy, all things that just keep life going the way we want it to go. Is that what you're talking about, Paul? And we know that all things, There's one word that he could have used to mean all things. And he used it. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Because those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so when God does this stunning, this surprising kind of work, how will we respond? How will we respond? The Israelites had two responses here. They feared God and they believed in Him. They responded in fear and in faith. 
Not run and hide fear. Fear and reverence. Fear and I get it. You are the God of creation. Which moved them in faith to step out onto that dry land across that sea. We could say that they honored God as God. In 1986, Fortune magazine did an article on a fellow, 35-year-old Michael Franzese, one of the most powerful mafia bosses in his time and in our country. And as part of the uh, La Casa Nostra, Franzese had grown up in this world of corruption and violence. That's all he knew from a child. That's all he knew. His mind was shaped early as a child. After being thrown in prison for a gas tax scam, isn't that the way it goes? <laughs> Some of the most violent people are put in prison because of the, the, just the smallest little infraction. Because it's easy to hide big stuff and we lose sight of the smaller sins that take hold of our lives. So, Franzese says this about being locked up in solitary. He was locked up with only a Bible. That's all he had. At first, he, did, he kept it in a corner, pushed it away from him. But the longer he was in solitary, the closer he got to that Bible. And eventually he opened it. He says this, I spent 35 months and 13 days in prison. And 29 months and 7 days were in that 6 by 8 hole, solitary, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Just me and God. I didn't come to God easily. I challenged God and I didn't believe. But only God knows how many times I read my Bible. I came out of there believing that the Bible is God's Word and Jesus, my risen Savior. And so an interviewer went on to, to ask him some more questions. And he said, so that, that prison cell ended up being good for you, right? And Francis replied, God saved my life in that cell. And what appeared to, to be like a clear dead end for him actually led to life. Is God using your dead ends? as opportunities to, to inspire faith in you, to strengthen, to grow your faith? I should say, are you aware of what He's doing and how He's doing it? And it's not necessary that we're aware how and why. This lesson is about understanding He can and He does. And so this man, this man who, for whom They'd given up everything. Moses, this man in whom they'd invested all their hopes. Jesus Christ. This man is now dead. Branded a criminal. Dying a criminal's death. But they should have known that God would not have brought them all that way simply to abandon them. And yet do we. Do we realize that? And when Jesus pushed back the waters of death, and He made a way for us. God was revealing His, His power and His glory just like He had done in Egypt some 1,500 years earlier. Have you been inspired to believe in light of the resurrection of Jesus? See, death is the dead end that we must all come to grips with. But in Jesus, even death is not a real dead end. And this morning... I want us to also think about what happens beyond the sea, on the other side of the sea, through the sea. and What happens when God brings us through to the other side of what appeared to be a dead end? What happens with this, this newly inspired faith? Well, for the Israelites, the, the descendants of Abraham, they're going to get gut punched again. Another series, another seemingly dead end, which cost an entire generation a glimpse, experience of this promised land 
that God was leading them to. We're going to look at that next week. This, this new generation of God followers are going to find their path through the waters, leading them to another covenant with God. But this one much different than the one that God had made with Abraham. It was not only a call to trust, but it's going to be a call to action. To live out their faith that God is inspiring in them through such a, a radical redemption that He had brought them through. And on the other side of this so-called dead end, God brings us to obedience and to service as His people. Having rescued us, revealed His power to us, He wants to use us now to bring the same deliverance to others in our lives. Are you ready to live and to speak in such a way this week that this is on display in your life? To live and speak in such a way that the God who is over every dead end, the God who can bring hope through your hopelessness, are you ready to live and speak such a way that He is made known in your life? I pray that we would all be. This morning, are you at a dead end? You feel like you're at a dead end? Well, I want to bring you the Word of God this morning that tells us we are not. We are never at a dead end as long as we have breath in this body. Because God has provided a way through the waters of this life. And that's through Jesus Christ. The eternal hope that comes by putting our life in Christ. And we do that through baptism. Those waters. As we stand on this side of that decision behind us, all the army of Satan in this world that can bring us down, that can crush us, that can condemn us for eternity. And God stands before us, parting the waters of baptism, saying, if you will come with My Son through these waters, I will deliver you on the other side. That's what baptism is. It's eternal deliverance from the bondage of sin. This morning, are you ready to be delivered? Are you tired of trying to navigate by yourself, by outdated maps, hitting, going the wrong way on one-way streets, finding these dead ends in your life? God calls you this morning to be free of that. Let Him lead you and follow Him. This morning, perhaps... You've turned off your GPS. You're trying to go things on your own. You've realized you're just running in circles. And you keep running back into the same problems, the same thoughts, the same dead ends. God calls you to come back to Him and follow His lead again. To repent of whatever sin may have taken hold of your life. And let Him free you of that. So you can confidently and assuredly move forward in faith toward your eternal home. This morning, if we can help you in any way as we are here today as family of God, we can pray for you, rejoice with you as you place your decision to be baptized into Christ. Will you come now as we stand and sing this good song? Oh,